0: Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com notoverthinking not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber, I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer, and you're listening to Not
1: Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Before we go on, I just want to give a quick shout out to Brilliant, who are our sponsors for this episode. Brilliant is pretty much the best place to learn math, science, and computer science online. A lot of the maths that we're taught in schools focuses on memorizing some method and getting good at repeating that method in an exam. But the best thing about Brilliant is that it actually helps you develop intuition and real understanding of the concepts. They have a great series of courses on the fundamentals of probability and statistics, which I think is a super important topic for everyone in the 21st century. Learning and understanding this stuff will really change the way you see the world. Uh, So go to brilliant.org forward slash not overthinking and the first 200 people to sign up via that link will get 20% off an annual subscription to the site. Big thank you to Brilliant for their support.
0: Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad, thanks. How are you doing? I'm actually doing great. (laughs) I'm very excited today uh, because we actually have some guests with us. We're doing like a a four-way recording of the podcast for like the first time ever. Uh, Cliff and Valentine, welcome to Not Overthinking. How are you guys doing?
2: Amazing. Thank you for hosting
0: us. Yeah, doing really well. Sick. So, can you can the two of you, in whatever order you like, just tell uh, the people, the listeners, a little bit about you and kind of what you're doing and how you how you know each other?
3: Yeah, maybe you can go first. Cliff. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Cliff Weissman. I'm the CEO uh, of a company called Speechify. We use artificial intelligence to let you turn any book into an audiobook. Uh, I'm one of the youngest people on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Um, I listen to about 100 audiobooks a year. I do a lot of tricking and parkour, um, and I just love life hacking and making myself the best person that I can be. Uh, Valentin and I met because we both went to Brown University together. Um, I'll let you give your intro maybe.
2: Yeah, so I'm Valentin. I'm originally from Cancun, Mexico, and I also love learning. I love creating. I'm also the co-founder of Monthly. Uh, is a startup where we partner with big creators, and we create immersive month-long classes. Um, and you know, all of our classes, you finish with something that you created, whether it's three songs or a stunning painting. And yeah, I also I also love listening to audiobooks. I love learning. I love just thinking and talking about interesting things.
1: Yeah, awesome. And
3: one thing that I will add, given today's topic, is Valentin and I are best friends. Um, we are two years, three years apart. Um, I think I was a senior in college when Valentin. No, I was a junior Junior. when Valentin with a freshman. Um, But both of us have really big networks of friends from all over the world. And we're both very adventurous and biased towards action. So we do stuff like book a ticket to Hawaii, last minute, show up with no plan, and then make friends when we're there. Um, And then convince other people to move around the world to come live with us or go on adventures with us or start companies with us. Uh, And this is a regular thing that we usually do
0: nice that sounds like a pretty good way to live <laughs> <laughs> okay sweet so um there's quite a lot to kind of break down there firstly there was uh, some pretty excellent flexes in the introduction so uh, well done you guys uh secondly uh how are you guys going about kind of socializing during lockdown because uh, like all of us care a lot about friendships and relationships but with this whole lockdown stuff you know it's becoming a little bit problematic uh so what are you guys doing to kind of keep the friendship, the relationship side of things alive during during this difficult period?
2: Yeah, I think um, some of them, one of them is like, you know, using FaceTime, using Zoom. Um, I think there's a lot that, you know, can go through there. I, I, I've, I've been doing a, so when I was a Brown, I started a group called Junto where we met on Saturdays. Um, every Saturday at my place in, in the living room, we just talked about interesting conversations, right? And so right now we've been doing sunto. so it's like junto but over Zoom. Um, wow. <laughs> then on Sundays, and it's just like a group of friends, and, and so it's it's uh, it's a nice way to you know still have some of that like social cohesion. Um, and then I mean another one I was so my my girlfriend is in San Diego, and she. She was graduating this semester, so, you know, I surprised her by showing her her virtual graduation. Obviously, there wasn't in person. You know, I think, uh, you know, in some cases, still traveling safely and then meeting. And then on the way back uh, from San Diego to SF, I was like, oh, well, I might as well just stop over in L.A. to visit Cliff. (laughs) Here I am. Uh, Yeah. So I'll answer
3: your question, but before I do, I want to talk about Junto. So Junto in Spanish means together. Together, yeah. Um, The first time I was introduced to this idea was uh, in Benjamin Franklin's biography. He made a Junto, and his idea was to bring all the most ambitious intellectual people of the time, to have him sit together at least once a week and talk about the matters of the world. And it also started around kind of sharing books and having a library. And Valentin started a Junto at Brown after I had graduated. And I had moved out to San Francisco. And every month, I would fly back to Brown and sleep on Valentine's couch, because I loved Brown more than any place in the world and I always wanted to visit. And I would literally time my visits around when the Junta was going to meet, because it was such a good experience. Um, and essentially, he handpicked the people who would be most interesting to have sit around the table, and then he would lead that discussion. And all those people ended up staying very, very close together over time. Um, and so... Highly recommend doing it. We have another friend, Sinclair, who set up a Junto in Duke, and that was also very popular. So maybe ask Valentin a little bit about how he organized that. Uh, With regards to uh, socializing during quarantine, so I normally live in L.A. Right before quarantine started, I was staying at Valentin's place in San Francisco. And then we went into lockdown. So I went home. I spent about two months just with my family, isolated from everybody else. And then it seemed like things could open up a little bit more. So I came back down here to to L.A., um, and there are maybe like four people who I really wanted to see, and so I messaged them and convinced them that they should come visit me in L.A. and stay with me, um, and I think one thing that people generally underestimate is how easy it is to help other people come visit you and help other people even move countries so that you can be together, um, and this is something that I'm really glad I unlocked at this early age in my life. Where if there is something blocking someone who you really like spending your time uh, with coming to visit you, take it on as your responsibility to help them unblock it so that you can benefit from
0: their presence. So kind of on that note, what does that look like? Would you, for example, like pay for the flight? Like how, how, how does that sort of work in, in practice?
3: Sure. So you can do this in the context of working together in a business or you can do this in the context of hanging out as friends. So I'll give you an example. Um, I've had multiple times where, for example, I would meet someone who was visiting San Francisco. Let's say they were visiting from Canada. And we spent, let's say, 24 hours together where we thought the other person was a really awesome person. And they flew back to their respective location. And then you continue messaging. And so um, you see when in their calendar, they're going to be free next, and you're like, come visit San Francisco again. And they're like, oh no, but I just came to San Francisco. So you can (laughs) offer to split split the cost of their flight, or you could just buy them the flight and be like, oops, I booked you (laughs) Um, So for example, uh, my friend Shaitu, who is staying with us right now, he initially was uh, based in India. And I learned that he was going to have some free space on his calendar, and I was like, oh, you should come to LA. and so without really letting him have a chance to back out, I was like, here is a flight. I'm going to book it. Um, and then he said, OK. And then he came to visit. The premise was that he was going to visit for a week. The premise was also that Valentin was going to visit here for a week. But it's three months later and Shaitu is still here. And now <laughs> his third week of visiting. Um, and so I also had an incentive to want to have them stay with me because they're awesome. And having them around improve my, my life, especially in quarantine um and so those are examples of how you can do it
1: okay there's there's a a few things i'd like to dig into here um while while we're talking about this helping friends visit you uh yeah that actually sounds pretty profound because i feel like i've I've had a few instances in my life where yeah just by sort of happenstance i've ended up you know spending a few days with friends and actually mostly through like work things where you know a friend of mine you know runs a company they need some design help we went on like a company holiday to indonesia where I, I was ostensibly doing some design consulting but you know we're all just hanging out and uh yeah actually those kinds of things where you're sort of yeah away away together and you know maybe have some activity to do like you're working together i find that works really well but i i feel like that could probably even work quite well within the same country you know it's in, in the uk we, I, I have friends who you know, live a few hours up north or something. I know the distances in the UK are a lot less than uh, than the US. I feel like you know, from my time in the Bay Area, like an hour, an hour and a half, or a two-hour drive would be a pretty standard thing to do on a, on a Saturday. But in the in the UK, if someone's like two hours away, you're basically you're gonna see them like once a year or something. So I feel like yeah, just kind of inviting people over and saying like, hey, why don't you come stay stay with me in London for the weekend? Yeah, it. it, it I think like taking that first step. Um, kind of makes it happen. Whereas, yeah, it's, someone needs to make the first move, basically. Um, so I, I really like that. I, I'm, I'm curious about the logistics of the uh, junto setup. Um, so like at Brown, when you guys did it, like, how many people are we talking? How, yeah, how, how, how did you? How, what was the setup?
2: Yeah, so I found that the ideal size is around twelve to fifteen people. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the there's only. One main rule, and that one main rule is that um, you know you, you're, you're all just sitting you know together mostly in a circle, right, whatever like the furniture is, and then the main rule is only one single thread of conversation, right? Okay. So only one person talking at a time, um, and what's yeah, and, and like then the, there's some other additions that make it nice, right? So for example, um, it was great that we did. The same set of regular people every week. That yep. way, there was consistency. And then there there was like, uh, you build more connects, like you, you go deeper into each yep. person. And if you meet every week, right, um, it just like keeps going. But, but yeah, it was mainly um, that at some point, right, like we, we started with less people, like started increasing. And like the, the idea was just to keep it small because there wasn't space, physical space in the living room. To which was actually people, great. It made it great. so cozy. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was actually, it's a good, um, it was a good constraint because there, there are some times that it actually filled up to like, you know, people, everyone was on the, on the floor, like there, there was no place uh, to sit. And if you, if you get to like 20 people, uh, 30 people, which sometimes you got to, oh, then wow. they're harder to maintain the single thread um, and it's harder to maintain the, um,
1: like- It's less intimate, right?
3: Yeah. yes. Yeah. And the conversation becomes less good as well. So the other thing to consider is you want to keep the quality super high, partly as a result of like how people think, but also their history with the group. When you go along for a longer period of time, you start to have like a shared, I don't want to call it mythology, but shared mm-hmm. ideas. And you can build on ideas that were already developed in past conversations. Yeah. And a lot of the times, what you end up having in junto um, like you might have on a podcast like this, is you're trying to figure out life, right? <laughs> you're, you're sorting out your own philosophies. A lot of the times it's conversations about books. Um, and if you are able to build on the human colossus to steal a <laughs> friend from Tim, uh, Tim Irvin, um, you, 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 go, you go deeper. But you also kind of keep uh, the average level of like advancements yeah. uh, in those ideas higher among the group.
0: Yeah, I found and- that... yeah I found that that, that's something that we've kind of definitely seen on this on this podcast like tame and I have been doing this every week for the last I don't know 60 weeks or something and we often find ourselves referring back to stuff that we discussed in like oh yeah I think we talked about this in episode three or four um one of the ideas that we, we we talked about at one point was this this idea that as a social circle kind of expands like necessarily the the sort of quality of the interaction has has to reduce and one thing that i often struggle with is like how do you get that balance between being open and friendly and inviting but not being too cliquey and too sort of forming this like inner circle thing that you everyone's just sort of circle joking each other you know? how, how how do you guys get that balance in, in in the hunters
2: yeah so i think i think the i think that's a great point and one thing is like intentionally right you try to make it super diverse set of people right like we tried, it was like a ratio of 50, 50% women, 50% male, uh, and then like people from all diverse backgrounds and, and origins, right? And, and also like the cool thing also with, with college is that you can also choose people from different majors, right? So we have people that studied anthropology, people that studied urban studies, people, a lot of like, you know, computer science people. There's like all sorts of things. And I think that adds a lot to, you know, creating a space that is welcoming, because, uh, like, anyone, everyone's like a lot of people are different, they have different thoughts, different backgrounds, different skin colors, and people can be themselves, right? Because it's like you know, everyone is welcome. And then, um, one thing, right, that's the, the point, the reason that there's a single thread, right, is to both, you know, encourage more listening than, than talking, right? I think that that's the whole point. Like, the junto is mostly like you know, time to like listen and learn. Uh, I, I personally love. Listening more than talking, so that was like awesome. And then, you know, by for, with the size, right, with between like twelve to fifteen, it also creates, you know, you you talk. There's not enough people that like you know your thoughts are. You think about what you're gonna say, right? But it also it's not that there's like twenty and there's a huge crowd that gonna that's gonna listen what you're gonna say. So, it, so it allows for forms that are just forming like thoughts that are forming and things that that you feel okay like trying out and experimenting yeah Uh, Yeah. so i think that's really important that's why the key of that size and the single thread help a lot with this right and and feeling that like you know you can say things um that are going on in your life and and then you know share them to hit
3: on two points here rephrase what you just said if you're in a circle with 15 people and you're waiting for your turn to speak, you're going to practice what you're about to say like 14 times in your head before
0: you say that,
3: right? So every line of conversation in the Junto is way higher quality than a normal line of conversation. Like, for example, in this podcast, each one of us is waiting for when am I going to <laughs> when I say words, they better be at the same level of profoundness of the other person who just spoke. So you have to practice. It's like in chess, where you don't play immediately, you sit back and you think. You have to- yeah. So that's point number one. Point number two... Um, is to give credit to how diverse Valentine succeeded in making the Juntos. You had people who had graduated Brown, who were driving an hour and a half from Boston just to participate in the Junto, and even professors who came to participate every once in a while, because it was just such an interesting dialogue. Um, and that, as you can imagine, made it more interesting. Um, I also want to address the question about the cliques. So when I started college, um, I did this thing that changed my life, and I highly recommend everybody else do, which is for the first two and a half, three months of school, I would go in our dining hall. It's called the Ratty. And I would find a table of seven people I did not know. I'd grab a plate of food and I go, hey, is someone sitting here? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, great, I'm Cliff. What's your name? And then I get to know everyone's name in the table and I just start a conversation. And then I grab another plate of food. I go to another table of seven people I didn't know. And I was like, hey, is someone sitting here? hey, what's your name? I'm Cliff, nice to meet you. And then I'd grab a cup of tea, and I'd go sit with another table of seven people I didn't know. And I did this every night. And so by the end of those three months, I knew like 60% of my grade. Um, And I actually did this at the beginning of every single semester. And even after I graduated, I flew back to Brown. (laughs) And I hired multiple people who I met through this process and made so many friends. And so when I started my freshman year, I was in this very fortunate position that I did not have access as friends to only the people who randomly ended up in my, in my dorm or in my classes or in my sports team. I knew everyone. And so I picked the people who gave me the most energy when I hung out with them. And I did not become enslaved to having one click of friends that I had to depend on for my socializing. I picked individuals. And then those individuals pulled me into new social groups, but I was like group independent. I was like a little social butterfly. Um, and even after college, I continued to do this. For example, like Ali and I had like a two-hour chat the other day, and now Ali is my friend. And he lives in London, and what's wonderful is he's from a completely different social group than all my other friends. But when I go hang out with him in London and he comes out and hang out, hangs out with, with me here, I'm going to get exposed to his friends too. Um, And really, one of my biggest goals in life is to find all the most awesome people in the world and be friends with them and then make them friends with each other. (laughs) I can't imagine a more wonderful way to live your life. And so to avoid the click stuff, like literally go hunting for the most awesome people and make them your friends.
1: Damn, that sounds really cool. I I think it takes a lot of guts to... Sort of approach random groups of people on your own, and uh, yeah, you you're sort of opening yourself up and basically asking, "Hey, can can we be friends?"
3: Um, so that, I that, that's do this. Cool. And I do this to people online, and I do this, I do this to investors, I do this to engineers. I like literally will send cold Facebook messages,
2: or like if there's someone who did a cool TED Talk, use the clip, writing an email right after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In front of your I send like four or five cold
3: emails per day Ooh. to random cool people I find online. I was like, "Hey, I decided you do this. I think you're awesome. Do you want to literally, do you want to be my friend?"
2: Yeah.
3: back. <laughs> and then I was like, "Sure." And I was like, "Great. Do you want to hit a workout like Saturday at this time?" Or like, "Hey, I'll be in like Brazil at on like October 14th. Do you want to grab coffee?" And 90% of the time people are down.
1: That's, That's awesome. That's really Yeah, cool. I, I I think cold, cold emails are thoroughly underrated for <laughs> for
0: making friends. <laughs> Yeah, so th- that's something that I've I've kind of been wanting to do because now that I do sort of these like live stream thingies on YouTube, I feel like it would be it would be a pretty easy ask to kind of e- email someone that I like and be like, hey, do you want to have a chat on this live stream thing? Because they get exposure and it w- w- would be kind of fun. But I still feel this sense of like, oh, it would be really it, it would feel weird to email you know this random dude out of the blue and be like, hey, I want to I want to chat with you on a on a live stream kind of basis. Um, Why is it weird? I think it's weird because I think it's weird because part of me because like I know that the reason I want to talk to them is because I want to be their friend, <laughs> but I have this sort of excuse of I want to interview you on my podcast as like a sort of uh, not quite honest way of, <laughs> of of approaching them. But I guess kind of your method of just like sending an email and be like, hey, do you want to do you want to be friends? Could could potentially work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll give you actually an example so um, last week Valentine and I were having a random conversation at like 2 in the morning and we, we went you know as soon as quarantine ends let's go to an adventure and like we picked a place and we're like well let's bring like five other people with us so we started brainstorming who to bring and our networks are like so dense and intertwined that everyone who I mentioned who he didn't know he at least knew of except there was one person that I didn't know who the person was and so I could have asked Valentin, hey, can you introduce me? But I didn't want to bother him, and I was curious, and I saw the person. So I just sent the person a cold message, and I was like, hey, name a person. Uh, my friend Valentin mentioned you, uh, among a list of other friends, and you're the only person who I don't know. So who are you? I want to know you. How's it going? <laughs> and then he goes, hey, we'd be happy to chat. And we decided to like organize a literally a FaceTime. I've never met this person. He does not live in the same city as me, but we're going to do a FaceTime. And actually, Ali, after I did the interview with you, I was like, ha, huh, I should make this into a podcast and just like record it, because why not? Um, and so I think that what you could easily do is a similar thing, you're like reach out to people with the premise of, hey, you're awesome. I want to be your friend. Oh, by the way, why don't, why don't we make the intro call podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, because I felt like kind of the intro call I had with both of you was essentially just uh, sort of we're getting to know each other. It just so happens to be live streamed on YouTube and we can share a screen if we want to. <laughs> Yeah. as, like, an easy way, like, you were showing Speechify, Valentin was showing his Notion setup and being like, yeah, this is my, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so just just before we move on to, presumably Ali has another question to to guide the conversation. I imagine a lot of people listening might hear at you Cliff say that oh yeah just like just go into the dining hall and approach a group of seven people man like just just do it like that's I think that's uh, a scary thing for most people was it like scary for you at the start or are you the kind of person who's just you know you practice
3: so like anything else it's a muscle so yeah back at St. Ferris Uh, (laughs) um I uh I don't drink and I knew I didn't want to drink in college and so When I read the 4-Hour Workweek, he had a section called Comfort Challenges. I thought it was so profound. And so I was like, well, I don't want to have any social inhibitions while other people are are using liquid courage. I want to build real courage. So I did all the comfort challenges. I would go into a Starbucks and I'd lie down on the ground for like five minutes and not move and make people like try to figure out what was going on. I would go to a cashier and I'd ask 15% off my coffee. I would go to a mall and I would like force myself to ask for the number of every person who passed by um, I would like walk in the street and if someone was bigger than me I would stare them down and then if they like came to me and it was like oh sorry I thought you were somebody that I knew my favorite one though is one that I invented after listening to how to make friends and influence people where he has an entire chapter about smiling and my I do this all the time which is if I'm walking in an airport or on the street I'll make eye contact with every stranger and I'll flash a smile in their direction and my goal is to get them to smile back and 80% of the time they do but the cool part about it is, Physiologically, if I force myself to smile, I'm actually subconsciously becoming happier, and then they're smiling for real, and then because they're smiling at me for real, I smile bigger, and so I just, out of nothing, created more happiness for me, more happiness for them, and I created this interaction with a random other person. So that's the easiest way to start, and so what I recommend doing is just come up with some comfort challenges for yourself, and just start to practice them. and I actively did this the summer before I got to college, and I viewed this this idea of going up to random strangers' tables as additional practice, And the same thing is true for even talking to girls. Um, I have a rule where if I see someone who I think is cute, my butt has to be out of my seat immediately and I need to be walking in their direction and I cannot think what I'm going to say. The first line is always just hi. So I walk up and I was like, hi, what's your name? (laughs) And then you have to you sink or swim. If you fail, no problem, you failed. If you succeed, great, and over time you get better at it. So it's nothing that, um, it's not a natural thing for anybody um it's just something that you have to practice and if you practice it, you'll get good at it like anything else
2: yeah one one interesting point about all, about a bunch of these like social interactions is to remember the asymmetric like risk or benefit yeah, I think, right? yeah. it's just like you know the the downside is not that much, but the upside can be huge right yeah, so, I think it's...
0: yeah for sure yeah, I was thinking a uh, um uh, an interview with a uh, a guy called Noah Kagan who I've been kind of following podcast and, and like online for a while and then we somehow connected uh through through Twitter I think uh and he 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 calls this sort of thing uh, the the coffee challenge and 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 his version of the coffee challenge is literally anytime you're buying a coffee you have to ask for a 10% discount like no matter <laughs> what. and when he was like describing that and I and I can remember when I was reading the 4 hour work week and reading those comfort challenges, even just, like, reading about them or, or hearing about them made me sort of sweat inside. And, like, you know, even like hearing you describe it right now, it just, it, just the sheer terror associated with just something stupidly simple like asking for 10% discount. Like, I'm totally okay holding up a vlogging camera and, like, roaming around public and, like, you know, putting myself out on the internet. But just the idea of asking for a 10% discount just seems so scary. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can relate to that or if you're just completely okay with,
3: I can relate to it. Everybody yeah. relates to it. It's a totally normal thing to feel. Um, in the same way that if you're bench, like if you're sitting under a bench press, like it's heavy. But the more you practice, the bigger you expand the range of your comfort zone. And if you don't practice it, you are relegating yourself to live this limited life for the rest of your life. And in my opinion, we're all gonna live to 150. And so okay, let's on average, we're like 25. What, you're going to limit the next 75 years of your life to having a less quality life because you're afraid or you're anxious? Hell no, go, go talk to the stranger.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's also. Awesome. I totally agree. I think, yeah, I think to a large extent, like in, in all areas of our life, the default is to kind of look at how other people are doing it and kind of just go along with that. But especially when it comes to things like socializing, you kind of you know, If you look at if you look around at how other people are doing it, a you're not going to get a very good idea of how they're actually doing it because people you know, there will be people like you, Cliff, who are doing stuff like that that no one else is really aware of. Uh, but but there's I think there's something about the domain of socializing that makes it feel borderline illegal to just like <laughs> this kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> like no, surely surely someone's going to stop me if I <laughs> if I just go and sit down with them. And like yeah, I mean even I. Yeah, I think like inter- interacting with strangers is, you know, usually the highlight of my day when it when it does happen. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like most, it, it feels like a very strange thing. Like in London on the underground, you know, if you make eye contact with someone, that's that's like a, that's almost hate crime. They're like, going to call not, the police you're at you're some not point. They're supposed yeah. to make eye contact <laughs> with anyone. Um, but I, I but I think everyone kind of feels that way by default. But everyone does actually like interacting with strangers. Um, so. Yeah, I think we just got to try and get out it's, of the. Uh...
2: It's a friend you haven't met yet,
1: right? Nice, yeah. Oh, nice. To add two things to what you were saying about the, the, the
3: London Underground, man, the London Underground is the best place to do this. This is like the that's like the gym for interacting with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> they did a study on this, by the way, where uh, they went on the train and they ranked people's enjoyment and happiness on the train ride. Right. And they did this for people who were reading their book or just sitting by themselves on their phone. And they did this for people where a stranger came by, like, control test and had a conversation, random conversation about nothing. And the level of happiness doubled wow. for those who interacted with the stranger, even though they self-prescribed ahead of time and said that they that their happiness would be better if they were not bothered. And 100% of the time, that was wrong. Um, and I think that the, the, the ground rules are respect people's personal space, don't get people's personal space, do not say things that are objectively rude, but you're always allowed to say hi, especially if it's with a smile. Um, you're always allowed to like ask a question or make a comment or like say how you th- feel or just like observe something about the sign. Um, and I think that the key to doing this is just try to say hi or have a conversation with one or two strangers every day. And if you do that, even for a week, your life will change.
1: Yeah, yeah. well one sort of helpful kind of bit of advice that I've heard about this is to, I don't know, often you'll sort of feel some kind of pressure to say something profound if you're like approaching a stranger. Uh, But I I can't remember where I read this, Uh, but the advice was basically to try and bring other people into your own train of thought. So like if you're looking at someone on the underground and you think they have a cool bag, you'll think that to yourself. uh, And that's kind of your train of thought. And just, just actually saying, oh cool bag, instead of just keeping it in your head, uh, is, a, yeah, a great way to kind of kick things off.
0: Yeah, so I think when it comes to, when it comes to anything that involves stepping outside of our comfort zone, one thing that I like to do is, because the reason, uh, like I can, sort of speaking for myself here, the, the because to, talking to random strangers is outside of my comfort zone, it's not the sort of thing that I would be actively thinking about. So like my default would be to have my AirPods in and have some kind of fantasy audiobook going um, and sort of completely ignoring everyone around me. Um, And so I think this framing of uh, like essentially challenging yourself that every single day I I need to talk to a stranger, at least that just sort of framing it in the challenge format makes it something that you think about because otherwise you just wouldn't think about it. And then like a whole month ago, it by and you're like, oh yeah, I had that conversation with Cliff where he was like, yeah, talk to strangers. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I've 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 kind of been toying toying with the idea of doing doing something similar. So Cliff, when you mentioned the the comfort challenges, uh, I went back over the four hour work week and made like a list of them. Uh, and for me, like the way that I sort of hack my brain into being okay with this sort of stuff is thinking this would make for a good video. <laughs> and, then, and then in a way I've given myself permission to do the weird thing because I'm, doing it for the for the gram um (laughs) but actually actually i'm doing it for myself but yeah just having have having that makes me feel safe safer about it
3: and i would say also tying it to a trigger makes it so much easier to do so the trigger can be you're going to dinner in the dining hall the trigger can be every time you sit and wait for the underground that's your like three minute window to do it like tie it to a trigger
0: sick uh, so we've got a question from someone from the chat. Uh, who says, I go to a small private school. There are only a few cliques in groups of 10. And honestly, I don't want to befriend everybody in my group because they are jerks. Uh, how can I make friends online? <laughs> is, is the question. So uh, making friends online. So Cliff, you mentioned that you send kind of send send random cold emails. Uh, Valentin, do you have any sort of techniques for making friends online?
2: I think cold emails is great. I think. There's a lot of communities, right, based, of, based on interests that you can join, right? I think there's a lot of discords. There's for monthly, my company, actually, you know, it's it's an experience where, you know, you're learning something, but you're put into a peer group of 20 other students. So it's already, you know, the size you can think of, like, when I was thinking about it, it's like you know, the size of Junto, a little bigger because internet, you know, there's a, a lo- some somewhat less engagement, but you... There, right, like, actually, we found that the favorite thing of people when taking a monthly class, like, people come because, you know, the creator and they want to learn something, but their favorite thing is the peer group and the friends that they made, right? And this is, that's a surprise to so much, like, universally, everyone, like, if you can see the testimonials in the videos, everyone says, like, wow, the peer groups, the people that I made, I was vulnerable, I could talk to them about my life, I could, you know, we were all in this space where we were learning, and... And the, the interesting thing is you're all in the same interest right you're there because you're learning something so finding places online and communities where other people are interested in the same type of things that you're interested in is a fantastic way to you know make friends because you know there's already a shared interest and and the internet makes it really easy to find you know for example like if you're if you're in that private college it may be really hard to find people that are really into pokemon or something right but in the internet and it reaches everyone in the world there's gonna be a huge community of people interested in that, in that Pokemon. So, even super niche things, you can find communities in the internet. Um,
3: I will add to that. So, I took a monthly class, and you can find monthly classes if you go to learnmonthly.com. Uh, nice on singing. <laughs> uh, plug, oh, plug. Link <laughs> buy. It. Um, <laughs> uh, I took a class of singing taught by Stevie Mackey, who is the singing coach for Ariana Grande. And every day you have the challenge that you need to do for that class. And you need to record yourself singing, which, Ali, as you know, is a very vulnerable thing. Um, So I'm actually very impressed with you that you post your singing online, which most people have a huge barrier to do. So this class lets you do it, but for 20 people. And so you get so vulnerable with that group and, like, you build each other up. Like, it's a really amazing experience. Um, And that's, like, a digital version. But let's talk for a second because I, like whoever asked the question, did not have friends in high school. I could not find anyone in my high school that I really connected with. And to this day, I'm not really close with many people who went to my high school. Um, I was lucky that I have four younger siblings, so I was very close with them. But most of my friends came from things that I did outside of school. So I was really into parkour and tricking and gymnastics. And I worked really hard to find where I could do this. And so I found this like random rec center that was like three miles away from my house, and I would bike there every day. And really, my closest friends were in that community. And so, for example, when I came to L.A., I did a ton of research to find where are there good gymnastics gyms. And actually, I found them through Instagram. Um, and I really, I go out of my way. I drive an additional, like, 25 minutes every day to go train at that gym. And when I go to that gym, I make friends with people. And I get their phone number. And I connect with them on Instagram or on Facebook. And I keep the conversation going. And then I invite them if I'm going to, like, do a lifting session or if I'm having dinner, etc. cetera. Um, and so if you are stuck in a place where the people around you are not as inspiring – that's fine. Find a new playground, um, whether it be digital or physical, uh, and connect with the people there too.
0: Yeah, to add to the kind of how to how to make friends online thing, um, uh, one thing that uh, Tame has been encouraging me to do for the last like two years is to get on Twitter, and I find that every time, every time yeah. I, I have a concerted period of time where I take Twitter seriously, I end up making friends. Like uh, wow. you know, um, a, a few months ago, around about October time. Uh, there's a, a creator that I really, I really, really look up to called Thomas Frank, uh, and another, and another one called Sarah DeChi, and just for that, just for a period of a, about a week, I just was just kind of replying to some of their tweets, and then ended up just chatting in the DMs with both of them, and then ended up having yeah. a Skype call with Thomas Frank, and that ended up introducing me to the YouTube agency that I'm now part of, which has completely changed the game. And it's like all of these kind of serendipitous things happened as a result of just, just kind of joining the conversation on Twitter. <laughs> and equally, yeah, you know, a great spot, yeah. And being invited on other people's podcasts and stuff is it's like, a, a I don't know, I think uh, I feel like being invited on someone's podcast is like <laughs> a very 2020 way of making friends. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just such a seemingly standard and easy way of going about it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I,
1: I, try, I try and convince basically everyone to be more active on Twitter. And I found that, like, you know, for people, you yeah, know, for people who are fairly like, Fairly internet-y you know, the kind of people who are into tech or whatever, or the kinds of people who are, you know, maybe browsing online forums a lot as 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 teenagers. They kind, they're sort of receptive to it, and they they kind of get it, and they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But I found that for for my normie friends, if you will, who aren't aren't that like techie, uh, the the idea of uh, sort of being on Twitter as your sort of real life self and engaging with people and having a bit of a public sort of. Uh, you know page where people can see yeah you know, find out about you and stuff like that just the idea of i like, i think the idea of being in the public eye in that way it's kind it it's kind of weird and kind of scary i think but i think it's i think more of it is the weird thing i feel like the perception of twitter f- from the point of view of, my, of like my normie friends is that it, it it it's sort of a place for kind of weird internet people and a place for like celebrities and and, and stuff like that and that's kind of true. But I think the weird the weird factor is, is the one thing that most of them can't get over the idea of like doing this thing in public. Um, I don't I don't think I have I have one sort of kind of normie friend who I've started to get into it. And and his route into it has kind of been because, you know, he, he works on side projects and things and he wants to kind of start increasing his personal profile within advertising, which is kind of the field he works in, all that kind of stuff. So he's kind of getting into it from like a career perspective which makes sense because there, there's like tangible career value to get from doing this stuff and and i think crucially for people for like for, for most people if there is some kind of ulterior motive like the career thing then it seems like a reasonable thing to do you know i'm on twitter to like you know talk about advertising with advertising people and you know try and find customers and stuff like that whereas if it's purely like you know i want twitter to just like tweet tweet out my thoughts you know, tweet at people who aren't following me uh, for the first few months. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing to do. I, I, I haven't found a good way to help people get over the weird factor of having a, a public presence online and talking to strangers on the internet.
0: Yeah, I feel like one of the one of the issues with it is that it's it's one of those things where the return on investment is very very unknown. Like if you, <sighs> if you talk to someone who's not deeply entrenched in tech, the idea that you know just tweet enough things and then you'll develop, build people who follow you who, who like similar things and then you'll get in dms and you hang out in real life that is not like that does not make any sense You're Like people are like, yeah. well, like, well, like what the hell that's not a funnel that exists <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> whereas for the people who are into tech and who, who understand the funnel it's like yeah man i'm just getting people <laughs> into the top of the funnel by by tweeting out my thoughts and eventually i'll hang out with some of them
2: and I think I think that's probably maybe how how actually we connected, Ellie, Right? Maybe you saw my Twitter post first. I don't know, but a lot of times I actually don't tweet that much. But just from that tweet I made about my Notion setup, like I've gotten so many messages. And and I think mm. I think I think it just adds. I think just like having that, and like you don't you don't even have to tweet a lot, but you just like put something that signals like a type of things that you're interested in, right? And then that that people can reach out, right? Did the Notion thing get shared by Notion? I got shared by
3: Notion, yeah. Because um, I think a lot, for a lot of people, like you said, Ali, the return on investment is unclear, because you could like tweet a thousand tweets, but who the hell is going to see it? Because no one's following it. And so I think that the important thing to note here is Valentine wrote something that was actually objectively extremely valuable and unique, and it was so much so that a mouthpiece, a platform, Notion's Twitter, re- reshared it, and then that's again the top of the funnel. And so then you pull to you a bunch of the people who resonate with your values. So I actually personally have not used Twitter much, but I have had a similar experience with YouTube and with Medium where I'll write an article on Medium and my DMs will explode with people who are like, oh my God, your life philosophy is like exactly what I'm looking for, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and from listening to you guys talk about Twitter, now now I'm encouraged to start using it because uh, <laughs> I've reviewed it before. I actually did not understand Twitter at all until you guys just explained it and I had like a couple of conversations with Jack George. Um, so I'm glad uh, I'm glad that you gave him
1: strength. Nice, but did you? I I guess there's a big cultural difference between the U.S. and the U.K. Do you do you guys kind of empathize with what I was trying to say about a lot of people finding talking to strangers on the internet to be a weird thing? It seems like a lot a lot of your circles are fairly techie. I'm right. guessing, so maybe it's more normalized. But I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
3: Well, stranger danger, right? right. <laughs> think you're talking to the United States, especially if you can't see them. You can't judge. <laughs> you don't know anything about this person. It could be a pedophile for all you know. Right. Um, now, one of the great things about platforms, actually, Twitter does not verify who you are. You can have whatever handle, whatever thing. Uh, at least like, Facebook is a little bit more like a real person. Um, but at the same time, you can me. everyone's on Facebook and Instagram and Tinder and all these places. So uh, you have to do a, kind of, a cost risk analysis. And if you're an adult and you're not going to meet up with a person, you're fine. Who cares if you interact online? Um, I think that people do, do find it weird, um, but I think that for people who are techie, they've gotten over the fear of interacting with a stranger online. They haven't gotten over the fear of interacting with a stranger in person,
2: yeah. which is
3: weird. That's why it's so much easier, but it is. And so that's I think what a lot of our friends find so much value in, in Twitter. Um, while I think the normal people just haven't learned how to interact with strangers online yet.
0: Yeah, I think with the with the with the Twitter thing as well. Like when it comes to all of this sort of stuff, um, putting yourself out there in like a very niche way seems to be the way to go. Like Valentine posted that thing about uh, about Notion and like this like ridiculously like next level Notion setup. That is like objectively a super super niche like weird ass thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> equally, everyone in the sort. I'll,
3: of... <laughs> I'll even share, Ali. You posted about fantasy books the other day after we had our chat, and a bunch of people commented. Man, I commented on Twitter for the first time in like two years because people were talking about freaking Caladen. <laughs> so you have to go the niche. The more niche, the better.
0: The more niche, the better. Absolutely, and it seems like so. Uh, um, I, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with an app called Rome Research uh, that's been doing the rounds on kind of uh, yeah. tech Twitter. I, I imagine Valentin has probably come across it. But this <laughs> so, so, sort of everyone, every, everyone who uses Rome like nerd levels. Has created like oh. a, ha- a hashtag Rome cult, and now there's people yeah. with like you know who are starting YouTube out from scratch and making videos about Rome. And then th- because that is such a niche thing, everyone in that community is like watching those videos, and sort of these guys DMs are exploding, and the channels are going are blowing up because it's such a niche thing. So when it comes to and actually Valentine, I think the, the the way we actually connected was I was in touch with the guys at Notion because they were sponsoring some videos, and they suggested getting okay. in touch with you, and I was like, oh, sick! Okay. I actually follow your favorites list because you'd gone through the effort of sort of sharing, sharing your stuff online. Um, and I think the more, the thing that's really, that, that, that was really helpful about your favorites list and why I've, sh- I've shared with so many people is that because in this age of sort of content overload, knowing people yeah. who are curators of that content is like the best thing. It's like, you know, there are zillions of podcast episodes, but here are the 30 that Valentin says have changed his life. Sick, right? <laughs> I'm going to listen to those. Or Cliff, like your list of here are the fantasy books I would recommend. That is like absolute gold dust. So I think if we were to give to ed- ed- advice to anyone is that I get the fear of putting yourself out there and sharing your own thoughts, but it's actually very straightforward to just write a list of 10 books that you'd recommend. Like most people would probably be okay with making a medium post like that. So that would be like a starting point. And then you can sort of expand the network out from there as it were. One thing I wanted to talk about. Um, so uh, Cliff, I think early on you, we were talking about the Junto thing and you said something very interesting. So you said that um, the Junto's are a collection of the most Interesting people. Um, one thing that Tame and I often often talk about on the podcast <laughs> is this uneasiness that we have with think thinking and vocalizing people as being sort of interesting or smart or like or like having having value to us in some way beyond. Whereas I think in an audio world we will we'd recognize that all human beings have intrinsic worth and value, and we would love our fellow man unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how Ooh. do you think about this as someone who thinks a lot about relationships and about social interaction?
3: Ah, juicy topic, man. <laughs> um, so please, please don't kill me in the comments. Um, <laughs> let me say this in a politically correct way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: love it. Okay, If this was a Junto, then you'd, be, uh, you'd be more candid.
3: <laughs> so I think that the key, first of all, is you're right, everyone does have intrinsic value. It doesn't matter who the person is, you can have an amazing conversation with everyone. The problem is, you stall out with some people at a certain level. I can sit and talk to Valentin literally ad nauseum. We never run out of topics to talk about because we both have like very, very robust models of the universe in our brain. And if an idea gets like shot into that vortex, like it'll get developed so much. Well, there's many people that just have not read as many books as I have, have not thought about life as much as I have, have not had as many experiences as I have, don't know how to hold two ideas in their brain at once. And so I reach a limit where I learn about their life. And then there's a saying, I think, by Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, a lot of small people talk about uh, people, uh, next level is talk about events, and next event is talk about ideas. So I need people who can talk about ideas. Uh, They can talk about it practically and ideologically, whatever. So that and so what you want to find is people who give you energy, spending time around them. And I find that to be true to different levels among different people. So for example, Ali, you and I had a two hour conversation the other day about so many ideas. And if we had 48 hours, we still would not exhaust material to talk about. Well, there's some people where I just run out of content to talk about. And so a good heuristic for who is a good friend for you is who can you talk to indefinitely.
2: And the thing to note here is that it's You know, it's different per person, right? Someone may connect more with some people and someone may connect with others, right? So everyone has their own, like, interestingness and people that they would connect with. So I think it's just, like, based on, you know, people's personalities and, and, like, interests.
3: Right. It could be that you're an expert about baseball, but I don't want to talk about baseball for more than five minutes. (laughs) I'd rather switch to other topics that interest me. Um, Now, with regards to, like, ranking people or, like, valuing people, um, there is a question. I like asking my friends, and I especially would do this at Brown, but I would do this in other places, where I go, who are the five most exceptional people you know at Brown? I ask this to people. Now, this is a great question, because exceptional is 100% up to your definition of what exceptional means, right? You can pick the people who are great. Like, if you're really into music, you'll pick the people who are the best at guitar. If you're into, like, books, you'll pick the people who, like, read the most. If you're into entrepreneurship, you pick the entrepreneurs. So I'm putting the ability to find the word exceptional in the other person's hands, But you always get people that that person values, like that person really values. Um, The other way, the other question I like to ask people is like, what are the five best habits that you have, that you've had for at least a year? Um, And I go and ask this of many of my friends. And then I go, who are like three people who you know who also have exceptional habits? Um, And then you go and follow those streams and you like – cold DM those people on Instagram or LinkedIn, but not LinkedIn, Instagram or uh, <laughs> Facebook or, or, hey, uh, or Twitter, uh, okay, do, um, if the other ones are not open. Um, and then you make friends with them and you find their friends. And so you kind of iterate through a network in this way. And even if you go into a junto that has 15 people, there will be some people that every word out of your mouth, you're, you're like, wow, that was profound. I resonate, blah, blah, blah. And some people who like, You can't stand their tone of voice. Every time they say idea, you're like, why are they shutting people down? And you're like, ah, I don't support half of the things that they say. So you'll gravitate naturally towards the people whose life worldview is similar to yours but slightly different and inspires you. Um, And so, again, it's not who is, like, the best or the smartest person. who is the person who gives you the most energy and helps you grow.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good a good heuristic that seems to be the way that i i sort of model this is that do i have i have i gone away from this interaction feeling energized and thinking oh that was that was sort of a an energy inducing thing as opposed to that was fun or that was interesting uh, yeah i think it's i think it's important to have like a, a heuristic for this but i still always feel a little bit it's like i've I've had occasions where I'm I'm talking to someone that I that I've known through university, and I sort of internally I'm having this I'm sort of rating them internally in that I'm 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 thinking that uh, okay th- this conversation isn't going as as well as that. I'd I'd, I'd have liked it to go, or in mm-hmm. a way sometimes even thinking uh, and and it and it sounds really bad to say but thinking that i am more like valuable than that than that other person in this domain of things that we're talking about therefore i don't really want to hang out with them much much any much more um and i used to do do this a lot in like my my early days at university once i'd gotten over the whole uh you know i am uh, i suck and everyone is better than me and therefore uh but now like any any time i come close to sort of catching myself doing that i always think no no no, this is not the way to go about it and um right there's a a phrase that I like, which I which I often think of, and that's um, uh, everyone is my superior in some way. Everyone can teach me something, or, or words to that effect. And so, if my if I ever come close to thinking, oh, eh, then I I try and reframe that to being like, okay, uh, how 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 can I learn from this person? Because that's like oh. a way of yeah, a way of sort of getting getting over that thing. Taimo, you seem but- very just
1: on that note this of the every everyone is superior superior to me in some way it's it's the same issue right You're, it's still framing people and, hi did do, 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 do you guys That's have oh awesome. yeah did you guys have a game called top trumps in the u.s okay top trumps is uh, i think it's probably a, it's a british card game where you know the lord of the rings top trumps uh set will have a set of cards one for each character uh and each card will have uh the same attributes with different values so like gandalf will have like a hundred magic and like to attractiveness or something you know, whatever <laughs> um and i think i just find at any framing of any framing that kind of implies a game of human top trumps to be kind of unsettling and and so ali you're saying that like you know in your head you're kind of doing the human top trumps thing and then to counteract that you're continuing to do it by by, by thinking to yourself actually no, this person is this person is better than me at basketball that's why I'm going to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, That's why it's it's okay for me to talk to them. It's still problematic, right?
0: Yes, you're right. Um, uh, it is problematic. Would, would you suggest an alternative way of... Uh, so if if we take it as given that most of us will default to playing human troptomps at some point, and if we take it as given that an ideal state would be to not play human top drums at all, right. my question is how do we bridge that gap between thinking this dude has magic two and i've got magic eight uh (laughs) how how do we bridge that gap to not worrying about the amount of mana they've got at all (laughs)
3: um i can uh i can take a swing at this but i'm gonna have to take us back a couple of steps so in life there is no winner you can't top trump order the people in the world and say the president of the united states is at the top no that's not how it works Uh, And partly, it's beneficial that you cannot see people's level of happiness because if you could see a metric of people's level of happiness. Man, people will compare their level of happiness all the time. (laughs) Uh, And so here's the thing. Every person is born and then through their environment develops um, certain attributes and certain preferences. And your goal in life is to match your own preferences as well as you can so that you are thriving. Um, And therefore, it might be that my friend Shaitu gets huge amounts of enjoyment for me, being able to sink 90% of three-pointers that he shoots, right? That is how he judges himself. And that is often how he judges other people. While <laughs> Ali might judge people on what uh, A-levels they got. in, uh, <laughs> Or I might That's judge accurate. people whether they can do a double backflip or not. Um, and Valentin might judge people based on, like, how fast they learn or what book they read or how curious they are, et cetera. Um, and so these rules for top trumps, right? Like, it's not that there's, like, five categories. Magic, attractiveness, strength. There's like a million categories. So in life, at the end of the day, there's no one winner. There's 10,000, 100,000, a million winners because you cannot compare them. They're winning in different categories and you are each running your own race. And so even if you compare like basketball players, right, you compare LeBron to somebody else, you might be like, well, that's somebody else who's not the best player. You know, he has an amazing wife and an amazing relationship with the kids and an amazing relationship with his parents. And also, he doesn't have rheumatoid arthritis, so he's going to live longer. And anyway. <laughs> like, you know, there's so many levels that you cannot compare. I forget who has the slime, but you, they say you can't uh, be jealous of somebody else. If you want to be jealous of someone, you have to consider their entire situation, not judge them just in one lane. Yeah. Uh, and even if you judge them to be better than you in all the lanes, you don't know what's happening behind the scene. Maybe they have, like, internal depression or bipolar. You don't know. So... Number one, there is no one winner in life. There's 10,000, a million winners. Number two, when you judge people, there's multiple categories. Um, and in, in the end of the day, that's not how to figure out who to hang out with. It's the thing that we talked about before. it for you and that person, do you guys click? And so instead of thinking about it in terms of top trumps, think of it as uh, uh, together wins, whatever you want to call it, where you want situations where one plus one equals four where your enjoyment of life is just so much higher with this specific person and you're looking to surround yourself with the people in the world that when you guys spend the time together, you both thrive the most.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think, I think the sort of the interaction effect of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a value judgment of of them as an individual. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the interaction effect of the two of us uh, and how well that would work. I think that's, that's, that's sort of uh, a nice way to frame it. Um, just, i uh, we probably have to end this soon, but just final, a final thought on that topic is that I think I, I've certainly noticed it as a very American thing to say things like, oh, so-and-so is the smartest person I know, or like so-and-so is like, you know, the most exceptional, most interesting, all this kind of stuff. Um, I feel, I see lots of kind of American Bay Area type people saying a lot of that stuff, uh, on, on Twitter in real life. Uh, I, I I see less of it in the in the UK, but I think there was a lot of it at university, where people kind of introduce friends as like, oh, so and so, this is my friend so and so. They're like top of the year at this and and whatever, and, and kind of like getting into the top trumps thing. Um, and I think the 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 other part of why it never I, I find it sort of unsettling is that if I look at the people who I'm really good friends with now, I actually cannot spot any sort of vectors along which I would have been able to inten- intentionally pick these people. I, I, can't, I cannot think of a category where it's like, oh, if, if someone is really curious or if someone is like really, you know, whatever. I, I, can't, I can't actually think of any sort of describable vectors along which I might be able to reasonably have picked the group of people who I profoundly resonate with today. And so I feel like, there's, I feel like it, it might be an okay heuristic to think about that stuff but I feel like there is there's got to be something lost in that process of like, you know, it, it's not like extreme reductionism, but it's reductionism to an extent. And th- th- it feels like there's something lost there. like I, I, I have like two very close friends of mine uh, who who also studied maths um at university with me. and yeah, th- th- they're, they're sort of my counter examples for like picking friends because you know th- there's no way that would have been been picked or predicted if anyone was being intentional about anything.
0: Uh, anyway that's just like a closing thought on that uh, on that topic closing thought on that topic yeah no, so we we 've been going for an hour now we we We, we started off talking about the hunter thing and then we talked about how to make friends online and then we sort of moved morphed into this uh sort of whether or not and if so how you should sort of value kind of being the wrong word for for different sort of human friendships um one final thing i I wanted to get your thoughts on valentine um i th- I think Cliff has had to run away. Um, yeah, he's a, oh, oh um, cool yeah. that's a busy guy um uh, w- one one thing that, that really struck me about like your uh, notion setup for for example is that it seems like you treat relationships in a in a, quite a sort of systematic way um and that is something that tame and i have talked about on the podcast a few times where we we're thinking you know we should we should make like a personal crm for our friends but it's, it's, it's something I've always sort of done for like a week and then I've just forgotten about. So I wonder if you can tell us about your sort of systematic relationship sort of stuff and how what we can kind of take away from that.
2: Yeah, so I think um, it was mostly as an aid, as an intentional. So if I'm living in another like city um, or like I know that I'm not going to bump into people, it's just something to remind me to reach out to people and that's that's mainly it um and you know i, I also sometimes you know it's 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 more like oh I thought, was, I thought it was a cool idea and like let's try to use it like sometimes you know i don't use it sometimes i do use it um and it's just it's just a way of like you know relationships are really important in my life and i just don't want it to just slip by right and um everything just having something in the same way that we have tools and things for for a lot of things i think is this, like, something that can help me, you know, take care and remember and, like, you know, intentionally reach out and, and send things to people that, that like, are my friends or are my mentors or, like, people who, um, you know, th- there was, like, a really cool, like, awesome interaction and I wouldn't, like, years could, could pass and then maybe I'd never talk with them again, right, and, like, all of, all of a sudden they, like, stopped. So, yeah, that's... As, and I just have it as a as in, in notion, right? And it just reminds me, like you know, you know, you should reach out to this person. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, yeah. And I think that's a good way of doing doing it because we all kind of know that relationships are the most important thing in life, and yet often beyond you know, occasionally putting someone's birthday in our calendar as a reminder or sending a Christmas card every every year, we we don't usually kind of treat them with the same level of Measurement and management, as we would with tracking our macros, if we want to sort of sort our physical health out or other domains of our life, like our work and things. Even though the relationships are the most important, um so yeah, I've I've yet to figure out sort of a a system that I use enough uh, and that's simple enough, just to uh, because like, I've got all, all all sorts of people that I'm you know, friends friends from school, university, people I meet on the internet that I would love to keep in contact with, but it just slips my mind, and I, I just I need to get a system to make it not slip my mind. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have a lot of respect for the personal CRM. So <laughs> K- kudos to, you,
1: to you for that. All right. I th-
2: and, and, and I think a lot of times it's like, it's like, I, I don't I don't use it religiously and it's not a thing. Like maybe it's something like pops up and like, or like I, I, sometimes I forget to check it, right? But I think just like, at least it was like, it's an intent and sometimes it does help. So, um, because the whole thing also like, you know, relationships are also organic, um, but it's just like, it's something that has like, helps right it's just just innate yeah
0: Yeah, so yeah no that makes sense i think uh it's it's sort of like uh with tracking macros and stuff like uh, initially i was very resistant to my fitness pal because i was like yeah but how do i actually measure the macros in this chicken curry that my mom cooked Uh, and then someone was like yeah but you know something is better than nothing (laughs) so (laughs) even a rough estimate is better than having no system at all so i think if you have some sort of system for keeping in touch with friends even if you're not using it like all day every day that's probably better than nothing Cool.
1: cool, sick.
0: So we talked about relationships and friendships and stuff. Thanks very much, Valentine and uh, Cliff, for for joining us on the podcast. Um, Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Right. Bye.